I'm not only a career maker, I am a career changer. And after I take that championship from you, Joe, you're not going to really know what to do with yourself. Hell, you might want to go, hell, go back to commentary wearing a poncho again. Who knows? Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Snug Wrestling. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. That's right. You are tuned into Snug Wrestling, where it's wrestling all day, every day. And now here is your host, Edgar Avila. Sting's final pay-per-view taping was this episode of Dynamite that we're going to be going over today. Sting broke out into the wrestling scene way back in the late 80s, starting off in the NWA, and since then, he's had a long and successful career working for multiple promotions like the WCW, TNA, WWE, and it took him all the way to where he is today in AEW, all the way to the year of 2024. Congratulations, congratulations are in order for Sting on his great success. What is going on, folks? Welcome to Snug Wrestling. I am your host. My name is Edgar. And before we can get into this episode of AEW Dynamite, and before we can break down all the shenanigans that went down on Dynamite, Collision was also taped after the show in Huntsville, Abilama. And I want to spoil all the shit that happened there, because fuck it, why not? Revolution is this weekend, so it is my very calculated guess that this is the reason for this double taping rampage is also taking place on friday but no one gives a shit about that show except for like the 200,000 people that watch it every week but on collision there's still a few more people that tune in to watch that except me collision lost a loyal viewer in me recently because well let's just go over the things that they put on this episode of collision just to give you an idea as to why i stopped watching this christian cage roger strong kill switch and brian Cage defeated Orange Cassidy, Daniel Garcia, Trent Beretta, and Hook. So this is an eight-man tag team match of a bunch of random people just thrown in together. I mean, Orange Cassidy and Trent Beretta are in a tag team, but Roderick Strong and Brian Cage, those are two guys from two other factions that are just being teamed up with Christian Cage and Killswitch. Christian Cage, Roderick Strong, and Killswitch, as well as Brian Cage, won this eight-man tag team match. Mark Briscoe and Buddy Matthews had a brawl. There was something called a Revolution All-Star Scramble Match Qualifier whatever that means with Dante Martin Brian Keith Penta and this was a three-way match and out of these three guys Dante Martin won I don't know exactly what he won but this probably has something to do with the pay-per-view that's taking place this weekend Thunder Rosa defeated Cassandra Golden I have no idea who Cassandra Golden is I've never even heard of that name but that also took place here on this episode of Collision Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn defeated Christopher Daniels and Matt Seidel in a tag team match. Mariah May defeated someone called Angelica Risk. Tony Storm and Deanna Perrazzo had a face-to-face. Wardlow had an interview with Tony Schiavone that Chris Jericho interrupted, and Wardlow and Chris Jericho had a little altercation, but then powerhouse Willie Hobbs attacked Chris Jericho. So once again, we just saw this like not that long ago where Chris Jericho was feuding with the Don Callis family what seemed like months 
but I guess that's still happening here. And Chris Jericho is having more confrontations with the Callis family. And then Max Caster and Anthony Bowens and Colton Gunn of the Bang Bang Scissor Gang defeated the Dark Order. And that's what went down on Collision that is going to be televised on a Saturday night. And they wonder why people aren't really tuning in. I'm sorry, but people have lives. It's the weekend. People work all week. Saturdays is one of the few days where I can unwind and relax and have fun and i don't want to spend it watching a bunch of random matches that were just thrown against the wall like this but anywho it's time to cover the main show the show that people actually watch and actually care about still somewhat so let's get into aew dynamite let's go AEW played us all. They got us good, and I knew it was too good to be true. They couldn't just let this be and keep it a one-on-one -on -one match between Swerve and Samoa Joe at Revolution like it should have been from the start. They included the Cowboy, the Magnum TA lookalike into the mix, and Hangman opened up the show and came out wearing crutches. Now, people, I will admit, I must admit, I am an asshole sometimes. I talk shit about bad wrestling, bad promos and poorly booked angles however i am a father i am a human being and i do not wish harm on no one not even hangman i did feel bad for hangman because he came out a limping cowboy in a crutch but at the same time i was kind of glad that he was not going to be in the main event at revolution because this main event did not need hangman and it doesn't need to be a three-way the six-man tag team match they did last week where these guys were going way too crazy with the spots because every match in AEW has to be a five-star Meltzer banger from the Tokyo Dome. And when I was watching this match, I was literally thinking, these guys are going to be in the main event. I'm talking about Joe Swerve and Hangman at the pay-per-view in a couple weeks. But they're going all out for this random six-man TV match. This is not only risky, but very unresponsible. And then it turned out that Hangman man hurt himself and i thought well what the fuck did you think was gonna happen but it turned out that it was all a swerve bro the cowboy tricked everyone and was playing possum the entire time for the past week just to get a sneak attack on swerve from swerve's house so we actually are going to be getting the three-way after all unfortunately the evil bucks showed up wearing more ridiculous outfits and they walked into the arena where renee was already waiting for them with mike in hand ready to interview the bucks as if she already knew that they were coming and the bucks are like yeah we had a meeting with flair and it went great just great this was the greatest meeting in the entire world and they are there to give sting a proper farewell while the bucks were saying all of this they had the bats in hand and they were showing it off in front of the camera and basically making threats on live tv that they were going to beat people up with these baseball bats then they asked the camera guys to follow them so we can all see what they're about to do with these bats so i guess the evps of this company can just nonchalantly walk around backstage with bats hunting people down like it's just a thing to do it's just a typical wednesday in aew for the evps 
Then we go down to the ring for the opening match, and it's a trios match or a six-man tag match. And we got Eddie Kingston teaming up with FTR versus the Blackpool Combat Club. The match starts off slow with a couple tags. Then Dax and Danielson get in the ring. Then they hit a couple amazing pro wrestling sequences that should have been displayed in a museum because, my God, just give me Dax versus Danielson for the rest of this entire match. Hell, give me Dax versus Danielson for the rest of this entire show. That only lasted for about 30 seconds and then Moxley got tagged in and everyone immediately went into the ring and started fighting all over the place. So we got that good old Moxley effect on this match I guess. Things were going pretty well up until then and Moxley was in the ring with Cash Wheeler at one point and Mox tried to do what looked like a one-legged figure four leg lock. How the fuck do you even do that? Moxley had his back turned to the camera so you couldn't really see how Mox was applying this lock but it looked so bad even from the camera angle and Cash had to sell this thing. Dax was in the corner just watching on and out of nowhere and I don't think this was supposed to happen because even Mox seemed really surprised by this. Dax just walked in the ring from the corner and stomped on Mox's hand just to break the hold. Dax probably realized how ridiculous this hold by Moxley looked and he just he had to break it up just to save any credibility that this match still had. Eddie Kingston couldn't wait to get in the ring and have his chop contest. You can tell that he's been waiting all night to get in the ring just to do that. This match went over like 15 minutes. They pulled out all the stops. The people were chanting this is awesome because of course every match in AEW is a five star Meltzer banger from the Tokyo Dome. But like for what is it really necessary for every match to be this over the top. It's not necessary. These guys are all going to face each other at the pay-per-view at Revolution. And this match was supposed to be a preview of that. But these guys already did everything under the sun to each other on this six-man tag. What is left for them to do at the pay-per-view? What else is there to look forward to? A random match between Chris Jericho and a guy from CMLL named Atlantis was announced previously on the interwebs. And a lot of people were wondering why. What the fuck? So, AEW did try to explain some of the history with Jericho and Atlantis that goes way back years and years. So, that was good on AEW for trying to explain this match. Now we know why Jericho chose to wrestle Atlantis Jr. And we're all on the same page now. We learned something new, so thank you AEW for doing that. This did explain why we're having this match, but did this make me interested in this match and make me want to see this match even a little bit? Absolutely not. We don't need to see this. Jericho wrestled this guy's dad when Jericho first started way back in the early 90s. We know that Chris Jericho is old and he's been wrestling for years and years and years, but we don't know anything about the son, Atlantis Jr. Other than the fact that he is from CMLL and Chris Jericho has history with this guy's dad. That's about it. Well, Osprey is finally in AEW, and I can't even hate on that. I'm not even mad at that. Osprey showed up in AEW in February after his obligations were completed in New Japan, just like Osprey said he would. 
good. And he's in AEW now for full-time work. Wonderful. Amazing. Love to hear it. Will Ospreay will offer a new form of excitement to this AEW show. And I am hyped up to see what Will Ospreay is actually going to do. Is he going to stand out? Is he going to make a difference and grow into a much bigger personality and into an attraction? A more bigger star than what he already is today. Will Ospreay, he's athletic as fuck. He can do all the cool moves. But can he become an actual star? I think so. But we're going to have to wait and see. Unfortunately, this task is not going to be easy for Will Ospreay because he's going to have to find a way to work around this AEW booking that, in my opinion, is going to be holding Ospreay back. Because Ospreay's first match was announced to be versus his own faction member, and this was out of nowhere, and this was announced by Don Callis. The reason Don Callis had for this match was that, well, no one wants to wrestle Takeshka, so... I'm just gonna make Will Ospreay wrestle Takeshka and this was Don Callis saying all this that Don Callis's dad he would get drunk and his dad would make Don Callis and his brothers fight and that was the reasoning behind having Takeshka wrestle Will Ospreay at this pay-per-view and that is the booking that AEW decided to do for their big signee Will Ospreay who is gonna come in and change the game in AEW welcome to AEW Will Ospreay and speaking of kids fighting Orange Cassidy wrestled Nick Wayne and these two guys nearly set the arena the stands and the ring on fire and it was not because of the high quality match these two were having it was because it looked like two skinny twigs were getting rubbed together i watched about five minutes of this match and then i realized what the hell wait what am i doing why am i watching this this is orange cassidy this is the guy that never loses he gets put over everyone no matter what no matter the time of the day no matter how many people orange cassidy is facing rather it's seven other men or 20 other men orange cassidy always wins and because it's AEW, every match is a five-star Meltzer banger in the Tokyo Dome. Orange Cassidy and Nick Wayne went back-to-back nonstop for like 15 minutes. Lucky guess, who would have known Orange Cassidy won? Two teams that have lost all steam with nothing left to do. They formed a mega faction. The Bang Bang Scissor Gang thought it would be a good idea to have a combined group where all of them are just doing comedy now. But hey, at least they all have champions belts and i feel kind of bad that juice robinson is gonna have to come back to all of this so we'll see how that goes chris statlander face sky blue statlander is a real diamond in the rough in aew statlander is one of the few that really stands out with a lot of potential and someone that aew really needs to focus on put more effort in and put some more attention when it comes to statlander or instead you can have the rookie girl who gets over with the AEW faithful by setting thirst traps all over the internet sky blue yes sky blue pinned chris statlander on this match on this episode of dynamite and statlander i think you really need to make some calls and head over to the other side as soon as possible this match between jericho versus atlantis jr jericho won this match with the walls of jericho but boy this match was brutal jericho came out with an old song of his and wore 
wore his old wrestling tights from back in the day. Trying to create his own nostalgia act on this episode of Dynamite. Maybe Chris Jericho was feeling a little left out that Sting is getting all the nostalgia. And that's probably why we were forced to see this match between Jericho and Atlantis. And I don't know if this match did anything for the show. I guess we will find out when the ratings come out. But the only thing that this reminded us is that Chris Jericho is not the same from before and it was not a pretty sight to see. The main event was a segment with the Bucks and Darby came out and attacked the Bucks from behind. Then Ric Flair came out and teased the heel turn where the Bucks handed Ric Flair the bat and it looked like Ric Flair was gonna hit Darby Allen with the bat but Ric Flair did not turn heel. This was all a rouge to confuse the Bucks. But what was confusing about all of this is that when Ric Flair had the bat in hand and he knew he was going to be facing two other guys, two much younger guys, he drops the bat and decides to go blow for blow versus the Bucks. Now, I know Ric probably thought he can take the Bucks on his own because it is the Bucks. They're not very scary, big, mean looking guys. And maybe Maybe he can take him on in a shoot fight. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm sorry, but if I'm a 70-year-old man and I'm about to fight two other guys that are much younger than me, I'm not going to drop the bat. I'm going to start swinging that bat on these guys. What would you do? Would you swing the bat or would you drop the bat and then put your dukes up? So the Bucks then attack Ric Flair and still no Sting. Sting was nowhere to be found. Darby got beat up. Ric Flair got beat up. And I'm thinking like, what the fuck is going on? until here comes Sting falling down from the rafters like the classic WCW days. I was not surprised that they did this. I was actually expecting them to do something like this, but I was not expecting them to do it at Dynamite. I thought something like this was going to happen at Revolution. In his actual final match, I thought that would have been much cooler, but they did it here on Dynamite, and it was still really fun and really cool to see. It was nostalgic. The people popped for that and how can you not love that it's sting it's his final dynamite and it's a great way for sting to make an entrance on his last tv taping in a wrestling show ever However, I do want to say that this makes Tony Khan look like an even bigger hypocrite than he already is. I mean, Tony Khan has made himself look like a hypocrite multiple times, not just this time. Tony Khan, over the years since AEW started, has buried the company WCW time and time again. He's buried Ted Turner. He's buried Eric Bischoff about their ticket sales, constantly comparing AEW to WCW how much better AEW is to WCW. But at the same time, Tony Khan is taking a lot of things from WCW, copying WCW time and time again. And he did it again with this classic Sting entrance from the rafters. And it's also the same with these AEW fans that hate on WCW and talk shit about Bischoff. These are the same AEW fans that are sitting there cheering their asses off while Sting is coming down from the ceiling. So we have Revolution coming up this weekend and I don't know I haven't decided if I want to do a prediction episode because there's like 19 different matches for this thing and the matches seem to keep changing over and over again constantly non-stop first it was hangman oh hangman got injured he's not gonna be in it but then that turned out to be a, a swerve so hangman is in it then there was a meat match that was announced but now it's like an eight-way or whatever the fuck so I don't know we'll see if I'm gonna do a prediction episode I don't know 
know yet. But that was AEW Dynamite. Let me know what you guys thought about this episode of Dynamite before the big pay-per-view. Hit me up at Snug Wrestling. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk soon.